Coming up on today's show, Kerry Gribble dropped by White Fox for body shaming Michaela Tester, the revelations from the Harry and Meghan doco, and the target Christmas event that feels like deja vu. Hello and welcome to Outspoken. It's your dose of the hottest influencer and pop culture news twice a week. I'm Sophie Tauber and Kate, this weekend was Reese's big bucks party. What went down? Well, I don't know if it was a big bucks party. It was rather tame from what I've heard. We actually ended up coming home after the boys. So (laughs) we had gone out to a girl's dinner and did some Christmas light looking afterwards. I loved while we were looking at Christmas lights, I got this call from Dale and he was giving me all the goss on the night. I was like, what went down? And we could only hear your side of things. So I was like, (laughs) what? What is he saying? So Dale was telling me basically that Reese got absolutely burnt at the races, but it sounded like he'd been up to no good so when I got off the phone Kate's like oh my god what happened and I'm like you're not gonna like this Kate he's completely burnt and look I didn't like it my reaction was quite bad I was like what the fuck because I am just so fanatic about sun cream and I was kicking myself because all the other partners seem to provide their partners with sun cream well, they, they looked like they'd been skiing you know when people go skiing and they get the burn and they have the visor marks because both of them had sunglasses marks I remember to put those on they looked like lobsters we were meant to be going out for <laughs> breakfast the next day I think Reese needed some um, food to soak up the alcohol and he's like I'm actually too embarrassed to go out oh. I've never been so proud of of my partner because before he left he brought his Akubra hat with him and also he said I'm putting sun cream on in the car and I feel he must also take home the fiance of the night award because according to Dale they were having a little bit of a dance on the dance floor and a group of girls came up to them well more specifically came up to Brandon and he apparently looked at them and ran away <laughs> <laughs> I've taught him well I've obviously read comments from a few videos that you know brands have posted of me looking again stunning being like oh, she looks so different like she's gained weight she looks a lot chubbier Adelaide influencer Kerry Gribble has been dropped by fashion label White Fox Boutique for body shaming fellow OnlyFans creator Michaela Tester. In the drunken Snapchat story, Kerry called Michaela fat and said she was taken back by how different she looked. Now, Sophie, can you take us back to the start? What has gone down? Well, the storm really erupted on social media when Michaela shared a TikTok video revealing that a girl she had just met at an event had publicly called her fat. So in the video, Michaela is drinking a glass glass of water and she spins around to show her body and she captioned the video a girl I met at an event called me fat on a snapchat story hours later if she thinks this is what fat is I'm concerned now Michaela didn't name the girl but it didn't take long for followers to work out who it was and they started sharing clips of the snapchat story who the hell uses snapchat now to update people I would assume she would have put this on tiktok I love how this is your biggest problem with the oh, issue no, it's, it's, def- not- it's definitely not my biggest issue it's appalling what she said well, do you think it was a private snapchat story and it somehow leaked maybe yeah. well the woman at the center of this Carrie Gribble she's come out and said that the snapchat was intended for her best friends she didn't mean to upload it on her snapchat story she was quite drunk at the time when she made the snapchat that old chestnut now Sophie last week you put your foot in it and said that Adelaide doesn't really have any influences other than Kayla at Cenas now we're talking about a big Adelaide (laughs) influencer she's putting us on the map here so Kerry as you said is from our hometown Adelaide and she has 122,000 followers on Instagram she's also quite big on OnlyFans what a proud moment for us having an influencer who body shames another influencer Mm. now in the video which as we said Kerry uploaded to her Snapchat story accidentally she said that she was providing people with a public service announcement about Michaela. Here's what she said. Public announcement to let you all know that Michaela Tester is fat in person. 
social media is fake. As you can imagine, this story was swiftly removed from social media, but not before it was widely circulated. So this led to hordes of women calling for Kerry to be sacked from her ambassador role, which she held at White Fox Boutique. And it was pretty crazy because I looked up the hashtags that were trending and there were so many girls creating TikTok videos saying, I'm not going to support White Fox Boutique if they celebrate someone who body shames women. Well, Sarah's Day's done some pretty scandalous things in the past and they've never dropped her. Yeah, but the difference is that most scandalous thing she did involved a White Fox boutique campaign that they were on. <laughs> so they're true. probably going to drop her. And I'm wondering if Kerry's actually making them that much money or is she someone who's just been to events or been given free clothes? Like what's actually the status yeah, there? I feel like she's just someone who has a discount code. Right. And I think also the fact that this article gained a lot of mainstream public attention is why White Fox also had to come out with a comment. So they told News.com that Kerry is no longer an affiliate of their brand. And it was quite interesting because Influencer Updates was, of course, posting about this big story. And Michaela Tester actually commented under the post and she said, PSA, White Fox Boutique does not condone body shaming or anything of this nature and has supported me 100% on this. She is in the bin, don't worry. Oh, wow. Now, I think it's a great move that White Fox Boutique have dumped Kerry, but I do wonder if it's got anything to do with this alleged screenshot of a DM between Kerry and a friend that's floating around. So Aussie Influencer Opinions shared the screenshot and in the messages, Kerry is discussing how she wanted to get some free stuff from White Fox Boutique. And Kerry was explaining that she wanted to buy some stuff from White Fox Boutique, but thought, oh, why don't I use my following and get some free stuff? She then told her friend that she should do the same. And she ended up actually screenshotting her partner's demographics and sending them off as her own because he had more female followers than she did. So I'm wondering if this is a part of it because allegedly, we must say, we don't know if this screenshot is real or not, but this has been shared online. It looks pretty legit. And the thing is, I do wonder if White Fox Boutique might tighten up how they look for influencers because we've spoken a lot on this podcast about how we question some female influencers demographics because we see a lot of female influencers posting images that appear to be for the male gaze and you're kind of like well do they have a female following well, and most seems- of the people commenting are males most people liking yeah, the content engaging. are males yeah well i think that white fox boutique wanted to get onto this pretty quickly because they have been criticized in the past for only using a specific type of model those that are very skinny and fit a specific sort of aesthetics So I think that White Fox has been clever to actually listen to the backlash that they're receiving and act on it quickly. The thing is, I suppose it's easier to cut someone off that they just give free clothes Mm. to rather than an ambassador, as you said before, like a Sarah's Day. Like it's pretty easy to be like, well, let's cross them off the freebie list. They're not getting anything. Well, Kerry has written a rather lengthy and questionable statement on her Instagram story. So she started the statement by outlining that it's not an apology video, which was quite clear because it was a written statement, not a video. (laughs) She then continued saying she won't be making an apology video because the only person she needs to apologize to is Michaela and that everyone else is just here because they're bored and think that they have a say in everybody's drama. Now, this comment instantly got me offside because she's already downplaying the gravity of her comments. And instead of acknowledging what she did, she then tried to create this pity party around herself and shift the blame towards Michaela. So she said, I'm not a problematic person. I do not put my business online. I'm a full grown adult. If I have a problem, I speak to the person about it. I do not and never ever will condone putting the problem online for the other party to be bullied. 
Now, I'm sorry, but Michaela didn't even name you in that video, Kerry. And in my opinion, she had every right to name her if she wanted to because Kerry was the one who publicly put Michaela's name out there and flatly body shamed her to her Snapchat and following. Who, and who's to say it was a mistake? Yeah. Well, the thing is, it's like she's saying, oh, I never put my stuff online. Well, you did. This is your fault. Yeah. This is your accident. And also, it seems like she's saying, oh, well, it's okay to body shame people behind their back. Yeah. It's not like she acknowledged that there was anything wrong with what she said. And that's the thing. She made the whole half of this statement about how everyone has been awful to her and is bullying her following these comments. So she continued saying that most creators know they have a whole support team who will basically jump on any issue. So she's saying here, Michaela full well knew that by her putting that video out there, I was going to cop shit for it. Well, the whole stand culture and sending stands against you is a big thing, but I feel like I know Michaela is the bigger influencer here, but it's not like this girl is unknown. She wasn't named, though. That's the whole thing. She didn't even name her. And to be honest, I feel like this may pay off big dividends for her because people seem to genuinely forget what the big drama was about. And then they just remember, oh, Kerry Gribble, she's well known. I mean, I'd never heard of her before. And we live in Adelaide. Now, she finally then went into what actually happened and wrote, to go into context of the video, I do not think that Michaela is fat. Her and I could wear the same clothes and I do not think of myself as fat. And then she put in brackets. So everyone commenting saying, I'm so fat and disgusting. Joke's on you. It doesn't hurt me because I know I'm not. Now, this whole statement was confusing as it is because there wasn't really much punctuation going on. However, she then tried to condone her body shaming by saying, I also don't find being called fat as an insult. It doesn't make me upset. And to all the girls out there who do get called fat, I think you're beautiful. Fat is not a disgusting word to me. Now, what she's trying to do here is pretend that she didn't mean any harm by that Snapchat about Michaela. And she's putting the blame on others for interpreting her comments as an insult. So she's trying to say that she wasn't putting a negative connotation on the word fat. It's complete gaslighting. We all know what she meant by that. Why would you do a public service announcement to your friends about someone's body shape anyway? She was doing it in a negative way. Exactly. So she then continued and said, when first meeting Michaela, she was super kind and lovely. And same with the second time. I was taken back because Mick looked different in person, but not bad. She was still gorgeous. Jeez. Kind of reminds me of a Sky Wheatley apology. Yeah, yeah, it reminds me because most of the time, most big influencers are quite polished and they'll have a PR person working on an appropriate comeback. It's quite clear that she came up with that herself. Oh, well, otherwise the PR team would need to be fired on the spot. <laughs> I felt really bad for Michaela because Kerry's comments come just after she spoke about how her body shouldn't be something that people aim for and that she underwent a lot of plastic surgery in order to please men in her life. And while she's being really strong and saying, you know, calling Kerry out, I feel like this would impact on her mental health a lot, particularly because she's saying that she's going through a really difficult time at the moment. Mm. Do you know, in regards to Kerry's apology, a better PR move for her would have just been saying, what I said was awful. I apologize. Mm, I have no excuse. It was shit what I said, and I'm going to learn I from think it. Anything not, would have been yeah, better than what she put like, out. Not being like, oh no, you guys got the wrong end of the stick. Oh, I've been bullied here. The other thing I find really shocking is that it was only a few months ago when Michaela went through her breakup with Addis that a lot of people were really worried about her because she'd had dramatic weight loss and there was a lot of concern about her. And then back in November. Followers started to comment on Michaela's weight gain after she attended a White Fox boutique event. So Michaela actually called out the comments and she said that she had put on nine kilos, but she loves how she looks. Here's a snippet of what she said. It's come to my attention and apparently a lot of other people's attention too that I've gained a few pounds, maybe kilos. That's what they say in Australia. You know what? I don't give a fuck. 
give a fuck. I don't care that I'm getting nine kilos. I look good. I look good. I don't care. I have bigger boobs, bigger stomach, bigger butt, bigger arms. Has anyone ever thought that maybe that's a good thing? Maybe I like being bigger. Maybe I like being thick. Remember a few months ago when I was like heartbroken out of my mind and I looked like this? Oh, don't forget this. I have gained nine kilograms in like however long I was in the US for. Like I've gained it in that time. So of course I'm going to look very different. Nine kilograms is a lot of like difference to a person. But I still stand behind what I said. I love how I look and I'm going to keep going. I'm going to order room service right now. How about we just don't comment on people's weight? I mean, I just don't understand what the point of this was. If people had just shut up and kept their opinions to themselves, I mean, it's not something that we should be discussing in general. I mean, obviously we're talking about this as a topic, but it just makes me feel really gross that it's such a focus at the moment. It really feels like we're going back to those early noughties when everyone is talking about weight. And I know I can't be naive and act like it doesn't happen, but I am quite shocked that this is being discussed by Gen Zers. Guys, I'm just making a quick salad for everyone that's decking my house in a Target. I'm talking like new plates, like glasses, trees, everything. I can't wait to share it with you all and also surprise Mickey. I'm hosting a few dinners and I'm going to invite all the people that I have promised that I'll make dinner for but I haven't done so yet. So I'm really excited for you guys to see that as well. On Friday, we discussed the lack of ad disclosure at Target's Christmas dinners hosted by Khan Ong. Since then, we have received messages from some of the influencers in attendance and Khan has hosted more famous friends. So Khan has been a busy boy since our last episode, Kate. Yes, he's hosted another Christmas party since we last spoke to the delight of Target. Exactly right. Now, he shared the beautiful table setting on his Insta story and wrote, I decided this morning to have people over again. Lol. And what a coincidence. They ended up being top Australian influencers <laughs> again. So Olivia Rogers was there alongside her stylist, Paul Versace. Former Bachelor Matt Agnew was also in attendance, as well as podcaster Sarah Davidson. I feel so sorry for Khan's regular friends. These people who are sitting at home, <laughs> seeing these dinner parties, being like, where the fuck's my invite? Yeah, well, it's quite funny because since our episode, he has started putting up a few more reels. And it's good to see this time he's using the paid partnership tool on Instagram and putting hashtag ad so he shared a reel explaining how the styling team at target had come over to his house and decked the whole place out in the christmas range <laughs> do you know what cracks me up this weekend this dinner party really did have an effect on me i had to go and check out target's homeware range and christmas decorations well, funnily enough all the things that were featured were basically sold out oh, they were gone i know because khan did this individual trifle recipe with these beautiful glasses from target and as you said they're completely sold out so this promotion clearly is working and making a lot of money for the brand now this reel you were talking about kate where khan was explaining the basically how the stylist had come into his house they'd even changed his tv cabinet yeah. and everything so it's basically this was a set almost yeah, that a target, target had created yeah. and he had five christmas trees yeah. like all these different sized christmas they trees amazing also it blew my mind he clearly lives in the same sort of flat apartment as olivia rogers his room mm. looks identical to her maybe you know they are neighbors so popping Any- over to get some sugar from the neighbor yeah and that's the thing i also saw on youtube riley hempson so she we spoke about mm. last week how she had also been hosting some of these dinner parties and she had a whole youtube talking about how target had come over and transformed her house so this is clearly a big deal for target they're putting a lot of money and effort into it because she's based in queensland and they flew their styling team from melbourne target over. if you came to adelaide and we did one we could have kerry gribble there we could have it's us. <laughs> we definitely say hashtag ad now he did provide further information about the event he said i'm hosting a few dinners and going to invite all the people that i've promised that i'm going to make dinner for and haven't yet and in the caption of the reel he wrote 
Over the next few weeks, I'll be helping you with ideas to host your family and friends over this holiday season. Think side recipes, cocktails, decorating and table settings. Now, we have received a couple of messages from influencers who did attend the initial Christmas party. So Tali Smythe was the first to share feedback. So on our Instagram post about the episode, she wrote, Hey, gals, I can't speak on behalf of anyone else, but I wasn't paid a cent to attend. I copped a last minute invite and I went A for the food and B for the company. I also made it clear whilst going through my Santa sack that this wasn't paid or sponsored. It's interesting that Tully made the point that it was a last minute invite because Sarah Davidson also put up an Insta story this week saying, oh, when Khan contacts you at 5 p.m. about a dinner party at 6. So it seems to be this narrative that it's a last minute invite that they're not aware of. Like, is that actually the case? And did you see some of the food that was being served at this event? It's like this full on glazed ham. Like that takes more than an hour to cook. (laughs) Now, we did also receive a DM from Laura Henshaw where she said, I just want to let you know Steph and I were not paid to attend or by Target for anything. We just love Khan and wanted to go as we hadn't caught up in so long. We always disclose if we're paid. Laura also added, I never, ever would want to mislead anyone and didn't share any of the gifts, but thank you so much for sending all the info through. Now, we did really appreciate Tully and Laura reaching out and they were really kind and respectful about sharing their experience. But I think it really highlights the confusion in the influencer industry about paid partnerships and gifted content. So I thought it would be good to go through what the rules actually are to ensure complete clarity for influencers who may be listening and also the general public. Now, in terms of the rules, it seems like influencers are aware if there is a set contract and there's payment that they do have to disclose that it is an ad. However, Laura and Tully both seemed a bit confused why they had to say if something was gifted. And they thought that by attending that they were essentially only invited by Khan and therefore the partnership with just with Khan and they didn't actually have to disclose. I actually think that Laura Henshaw hasn't done anything wrong, Kate. I know there is a bit of a gray area, but she didn't share any of the gifts that she was given in the Santa sack. She didn't tag Target. She just put up a photo that she attended the event. Yeah, but she was event. there at an event where they were getting free food. So but if maybe I can Khan, explain. But maybe Khan hasn't disclosed, hey, I'm actually, this is a deal with Target. Mm. Well, to I his would, friends. Well, he only puts hashtag SponCon and, and he didn't. He suddenly found the paid partnership after our podcast yeah, it episode. Was only, I think it was only three or four days ago where he posted this reel, really going into the mm. deal with Target. And I wonder if that was a request from Target. Mm. I just wonder if Khan has been misleading in what he's told the influencers about this event and the gravity of this sponsorship Come from Target. on, Amy. There was an event photographer there taking photos of the influencers with their Santa sacks. All the top Aussie influencers were there. Jade Tunchi was flown over put up at the Crown Hotel. I think it's a bit naive to suggest that they didn't know about it. Okay, it is interesting that they weren't paid. However, when you do have a look at the guidelines... Content is considered to be advertising if it is shown to consumers or the public in a way that is calculated to promote a product or service. Now, I have got an example for you. So Amco have provided a scenario to help people with further clarification on the rules around gifting and Amco are the Australian Influencer Marketing Council. Now, in this scenario, a brand organizes an event where they invite a number of influencers to attend and the brand gives each influencer a sample bag of products at the event. Now, some of the influencers post from the event about the products at the event. Now, Amco says that ad disclosure is required in this scenario because the brand sought out the known influencers and provided them with free products, likely with the intention to promote the brand and its product. But what happens if... Khan invited them, Mm. not the brand. And there's been no contract or anything. Okay, so there doesn't need to actually be a contract with any of the influencers. So basically, there is a scenario that Amco goes through where a friend or a family member gift an influencer 
a product from a brand. Now, an influencer wouldn't have to provide ad disclosure if the friend or the family member didn't have a relationship with the brand. And in this instance, Khan has a relationship with the brand. The thing where I think there's been a lot of confusion is that a meal is actually considered a gift as well, particularly when that meal is taking place in an area that has been set up by a brand. I actually feel for these influencers because I don't think that any of them were trying to do the wrong thing. I think that influencers are trying to be more wise and use a lot of paid partnerships. I think there was just confusion here. Well, the whole thing is I think the whole situation is totally manipulative the way that this that these target products are being advertised. Because as you said, they've set up a complete set. We're led to believe that these are just friends having a dinner party, even though they're Australia's top influencers. There are so many people who are going to view that. And if the influencers are confused, surely the general public is going to be confused around, is this an ad? So I actually think it's Target's fault. I don't think it's the influencers who oh, are invited to These influencers, they're earning a lot of big money. They need to keep up with the rules. Yeah, these rules have been out since 2021. Yes, they need to keep up with the rules, but I think there's been completely blurred lines. I think it's, this it, has it been a, like a loophole, I think it's it? been a really, as you say, manipulative slash strategic event because I actually think that Khan is genuinely friends with a lot of these people. Yeah. So I wouldn't have an issue if Khan was getting paid for this event and he genuinely invited Joe Blog down the road, who's his friend, who well, doesn't have a what, following. That's what Riley Hempson did. She didn't invite all these influencers and, and, and she obviously just got paid herself. I noticed at the second dinner party that none of the guests tag target. Mm. Well, it didn't seem like they were treated with the royal treatment as the first lot. I didn't see any Santa sacks. I don't know if people just decided not to share mm. them. The thing is, gifting is so prevalent in the influencer industry that I think it is really important that influencers and brands know the rules around it. And I think that in this instance, Target should have provided influencers with clear terms and conditions because they need to be very clear to the people that are attending this event. This is a promotional event. And if you are going to post about the gifted products or service, you need to clearly disclose that this is an ad and it has been gifted to you for free. And I think this this is actually an amazing concept that Target have come up with, but it's just fallen in terms of actually meeting the ad standards code. That's the thing. Everyone who has been invited to Khan's dinner party, they're bang on the target demographic. As someone in that target demographic, I love all of the people that are invited. I think they're all aspirational. They just needed to be across gifted. And what a coup to get Laura Henshaw and Steph Claire Smith there for free. I know that really surprises me as someone working in PR. That is a really big effort to get them to attend for free. I just don't know why they were so against just putting hashtag gift. Like to me, it just seems so easy to cover your own ass. Just the whole rule is go over and above just to make sure that it's clear what the partnership because is. I, but I think sometimes you look like a bit of a wanker when you're like, hashtag gifted. I know that it's the right thing to do, but I think that that's why they're trying to avoid it. Yeah, but then it just makes them look bad because they get pulled into these scenarios where it sounds like they were going to support their friend and if they just had put hashtag gift, this could have all been avoided. And to be fair, Target should have let them know these are the guidelines and you need to adhere to it if you're coming to this event. Hi, I'm Megan, and I play a mean game of Scrabble. Last week, over 2.4 million people tuned in to watch Harry and Meghan's much-anticipated tell-all Netflix documentary. And the first three episodes didn't disappoint, doubling the audience of The Crown. Amy, I was absolutely glued Mm. to this docker. I couldn't get enough of it. I was so disappointed when the three hours ended. There were some pretty big TV moments. 
I think the first is how they met. Yeah, because we'd previously heard that they'd been introduced by friends, but the reality was that Harry had actually spotted Meghan on Instagram. And this is the most modern twist on the fairy tale, isn't it? Meeting your princess on Instagram or through Instagram. It blew my mind because he said that he saw her first with a Snapchat filter on and it was very 2016 because she had the Dalmatian ears on. I also loved hearing about their first date. So apparently Harry was half an hour late and he arrived a sweaty mess and then Megan was late for the next date. Yeah, I felt like that was a bit tit for tat. Well, she, she wanted to make sure you knew it was only two minutes because she doesn't like being late to things. <laughs> Can you imagine if this foreign prince had asked you out on a date mm. and you're sitting there at this restaurant like a mug waiting for half an hour? I know. Well, the doco also began by showing a clip of Megan being interviewed back in her suits day. So this was well before she met Prince Harry. And in the interview, she was asked a series of short questions. And one of those happened to be, who would you prefer, Prince Harry or Prince William? And you could just tell she did not give a fuck about the royal family. She was like, I don't know. Well, and I don't think it's so much. Harry. I think it's more that she just didn't know much yeah. about them. And I think it was a really clever way to start the documentary because there's been so much criticism that Meghan is strategic climber. and a social climber and she set out to become a princess. And it just seems like that couldn't be further from the truth. Look, I absolutely love the doco and think it was really cleverly put together. But one bit I probably would have omitted was the way Meghan Markle referred to Harry as H. I just feel like either she's using the code word because maybe they she used to call him H when she didn't want to let on that they were dating or it's a way to show that they're really close. And the friends were calling him H as well. And it was all very cringe. That's the thing. They started going through the love story. And I was like, this is so cute. And then she said, oh, and then I met H. And then the friend was like, when Megan met H. I was like, yes. this is just too American. This is too Hollywood. That <laughs> well, he called her M as well. Yeah, but you can imagine the British people watching it would be like, oh, shut up. <laughs> My favorite bit was how he's also known as Prince Has. So as you said, he first spotted Megan when she was that Dalmatian Snapchat filter and he messaged the friend saying hey who is she and it's funny because the friend then went to Megan and said Prince Has is interested in you and she's like who the fuck's Prince Has? See I assumed that he must have watched Suits so he clearly had no idea who she was she was just hot yeah (laughs) with a dog filter on I think one of my other favorite moments has got to be the curtsy this was fucking classic. Well, this is one of the most. This has been highlighted as one of the most cringe moments of the doco. Oh fuck on off! TikTok. It was hilarious. It was gold. I think we need to throw to a grab of what she said. And driving up, and he's you know how to curtsy, right? And I just thought it was a joke. Now I'm starting to realize this is a big deal. I mean, Americans will understand this. We have medieval times, dinner and tournament. It was like that. Like I curtsied as though I was like. Pleasure to meet you, your majesty. Like, was that okay? People thought that this moment was disrespectful because they said that she was mocking the queen and traditions that have been around for thousands of years. But I loved this moment because I thought it was really relatable. If I got pulled into the royal family and someone said, oh, you've got to do this curtsy, we'd all have a laugh about it. But she wasn't mocking the queen. She was mocking herself. It was hilarious. A lot of people were saying, though, that they thought Prince Harry looked really embarrassed when she was telling the story. He did look like he was giving her a dirty look. Well, I felt like he was more, you know, when you kind of get annoyed by your partner and you're yeah. like, oh, you have heard this, like, why, or why are you telling this story? I think he I, thought she might tell the story but not do the dramatic curtsy. <laughs> it was hilarious. I think he shouldn't have given the look, though, because it just gives people ammo to 
to be like, oh, look, he's mm. already annoyed at her. The thing is, Megan saying she didn't know how to curtsy was actually a very interesting point because you would assume that the royals, well, people coming into the royal family would be taught the etiquette. Mm. And it seems like she had no one telling her what she should be doing. I mean, she was talking about how she used to wear a lot of neutrals and beige because she wasn't allowed to wear color and she didn't want to be seen to be taking any attention away from the top royals. Well, that's because there's rules about what colors you can wear. So you're not allowed to wear the same color as the queen. And I love the fact that Meghan brought the princess diaries into it. So she said, of course, everyone's seen that movie and you'd think that you would get some sort of person teaching you what to do, but that doesn't Mm. exist. Well, that was one of the biggest revelations, I think, of the documentary, that she claimed that nobody helped her. One thing that really stood out to me was that this seems to be a true love story. Like, you can tell that they are really into each other. And I loved how protective Harry was of Meghan. And I think the thread throughout the series regarding his mother and then him wanting to go on to protect his family was really Mm. touching. You could see that scene where Meghan had baby Archie and there was a beautiful picture of Princess Diana on the wall and Meghan was saying, this is Grandma Diana. I had chills down my spine watching that. I even had a shiver then when you said that. The whole doco series itself has had such high production values. So Oscar-nominated director Liz Garbus, she directed the project and she's done such a great job of telling their love story and getting people invested into it. Because I've spoken to people who didn't like Megan before watching this and they've done a 360 and gone, I actually feel for her and I can see why her and Harry work. Do you know what though? When I saw the trailer, I initially thought it would be more like a reality TV show where we're going behind the scenes and seeing sort of vision of what they got up to and I know that they had vision of them recorded on their phones but I didn't think it was going to be such a high production Mm. doco especially because there was a lot of historical facts and it feels like mm. they were very much presenting to an American audience about how the royal family works and how colonization well, works. Well, it was so cleverly weaved into the documentary and it gave people a greater understanding and better context of why maybe Harry and Meghan were treated in such mm. a way. Because as you said, they did talk about different issues of racism, colonization. Yeah, and I think that context is so important to how people view Meghan because Even, it's really easy to forget those things and then be like, oh, she's just being a victim. Yeah. Well, she's had a lot of shit things done to her. Yeah. Well, even the way that they explained that Meghan would have had to see a lot of racist statues and also how one of the guests wore a racist badge. And that would be a lot to put up with when you already feel like you're the odd one out in that family. Mm. I enjoyed the insight that Megan gave into what it's really like after the royals have finished a public event. So Megan explained that she thought once they were behind closed doors, everyone would be like, oh, good, that's over, let's relax. But she explained that when she met Kate and Will for the first time and they came over for dinner, they were very much what they're like in public as they were behind closed doors. So I got the vibe that they weren't very chilled because Megan said, She was wearing no socks, jeans. She tried to go in for a hug. I'm assuming the hug wasn't really reciprocated. That's the most awkward thing. I had that happen (laughs) on the weekend where I bumped into people that I hadn't seen for a while and I tried to initiate a hug and it was very cold. Well, that might be Kate and Wills. And I think a lot of people were expecting more mud to be thrown at them. And I mean, there are three more episodes to go. But it seems like Harry doesn't mind being pretty comfortable behind the scenes because there is a video that has gone viral on TikTok and it's called The Royal Ick. And it's the (laughs) scene where Harry was bending over with Archie and his jocks are hanging out. Now, I do think that there was a second scene where his jocks were hanging out when he bent (laughs) over on a date. 
Well, it's because he was wheeling Archie around on his luggage. <laughs> and I reckon it was one of the quite early scenes in the dog. Like I, his first Harry, out laughing. I thought Harry looked hot. in. I mean, not in his jocks in that scene, but... With his bum crack No, out. not with Plums the bum cleavage. crack. With, but I kind of enjoyed seeing him in his tracky tags. Like, oh, they're a normal person because he's so used to seeing them in suits. I liked how... No pun intended there. Oh, suits. yeah. Oh, he was hot when they showed him in the army. You know yeah. that classic yeah. scene that they always show on Instagram yeah. where he's running after this interview? <laughs> well, I think one of the most fascinating scenes for me was when Prince Harry explained the reciprocal agreement the royal family and the UK press share. So this is through what's called the Royal Rota, which has been in place for over 40 years. So it basically gives journalists from this list of exclusive papers the opportunity to take its turn to go inside royal engagements, break stories about the royals. And it's basically a big media pool that agrees to distribute the material to the other publications within the Royal Rota system. To me, it seems like they're really setting the scene for the next three episodes of what's to come because it's clear Harry and Meghan are going to weigh into reports that the firm were feeding negative stories about Meghan to the Royal Rota. And there's actually speculation online that this was to cover up for more salacious stories going on regarding other senior royals, including the Prince Andrew scandal. It was really powerful the way that they explained this and also showed a lot of vision of Harry as a child being absolutely bombarded by the press. And he said that one of his earliest memories wasn't about his mum or his dad it was about the press just intruding on his life and particularly when you take into consideration that the media fundamentally killed princess diana you can see why he would have such a hatred and also such a worry that something would happen to his wife. How bizarre was it seeing Harry and William and also Eugenie and Beatrice being wheeled out in front mm. of the media when they were on a ski trip? Mm. And they're, you could just see the two little girls were just like, what? Well, ironically, the press and also TikTok has seemed to pick up on the fact that some of the photos and videos used of the media, they're saying they're inaccurate. So yeah. basically they found out that some of the press pack shots, one was taken from the premiere of the Harry Potter movie. How an, random is that? Yeah, and another one was um, also file vision. But it's like that's just of normal. course. I mean, that's what they do in these sort of docos but because it, they won't. They don't own the rights to every bit of vision that's yeah. filmed of the press pack. So they're telling a story. But and I don't think is anybody actually de- arguing the fact that Harry and Meghan have been harassed by the media. Oh, it's, pretty it's obvious. Just, it's just some petty little thing that people who hate them can say. Oh, they're amping it up. They don't really get that much attention. Of course they do. Another thing I found really interesting in the doco was Megan's relationship with her niece. So that was the niece of her estranged sister Mm. and how she wasn't allowed to go to the wedding. Because can you imagine your auntie is a part of a royal wedding and you couldn't go? I think I saw a meme that was like, David Beckham's there, um, you know, all these great people are there and you're not invited. Yeah, and it's because her mother, who she's estranged from, was saying all this shit about Megan in the press. Well, that and also because... The niece was on Megan's side, but it would have highlighted it there being, was a relationship. Yeah, there was a rift there. Yeah. I'm if sorry, she was invited and the mother was. I'm sorry. What an asshole is her dad going and taking money from the paparazzi to pose in these shots? What a sellout! Her I'm, mother's come out as an absolute god. Oh, Everyone yeah, love loves her. Doria. Oh, she was incredible, and 
Yeah, the fact that she stayed quiet the whole time was there for her daughter. Thank God Megan had her. You can see where Megan gets it from, though. Because yeah. she and her mum were so similar. That being said, I feel like the director and the producers of this doco were very clever because it wasn't too much of Megan talking either. Because mm. I feel like that's been a big criticism. Everyone's well, first- like, oh, shut up and let mm. Harry speak. And the, yeah, the first episode was very much told from Prince Harry's standpoint. And I feel that was, that was purposely oh, done. Oh, of course. Yeah. There has been some criticism that there weren't enough bombshells dropped in the first three episodes and I think this has a lot to do with the fact that Prince Harry's book called Spare is coming out next year in January and I think that a lot of those bombshells will be saved for that. Well the thing is they did the whole Oprah which was an expose on what happened. I think this doco is more about saving their image because they've copped so much shit And it's really hard to hate someone that you know well. And I feel like we're learning a lot more about Harry and a lot more about Meghan. And they're showing their personal side. I mean, I've always been a bit of a fan of Meghan. And I like her even more. I, I also feel like I also feel like they wouldn't be wise to come out and just start slamming members of the royal family no. because that's gonna. I don't think that's gonna do them any favors. However, I think the last three episodes are gonna be more explosive because the first three have been used to set the scene. This is who we are. This is our love story. But what are people like expecting? Us, and then we're gonna drop some bombshells. Once you've liked us, then we're gonna drop something. I know they're, they're expecting them to talk about the firm and how the firm has directed a lot of negative press attention towards Meghan to hide. Stuff that's happening with Prince Will. Yeah, no, but people we, don't. But we don't people know the ins and outs. I've spoken to lots of people about the documentary that I know. People don't know about the rumors online. Do I, some googling, everybody. What it's are the a, rumors online? It, well, the I'm rumors online gonna, are that no, Prince we, William is having an affair. Oh yes, I understand that. I thought that was quite common knowledge. No, that it's not. They were pushing negative stories about Meghan. The thing is, I, I mean, yes, I suppose because we're journalists, we know more about how the media works, and they're definitely setting that up to show how manipulative they are. But I think people were expecting them to throw mud at William and Kate. Do we I, I think that's going to come? I think they were more expecting Harry and Meghan to throw mud at Charles. Let's be honest; they were never going to throw well, it. They at the have queen. hardly mentioned Charles or mm. William in it at but all. But that's that's also telling. There's, Diana has been mentioned a number of times, yet nothing's been said well, about Well, the whole Charles. thing to me is that they are trying to put Meghan on the same pedestal, pedestal as Princess Diana. Mm. It's quite clear that they're trying to point out these two women are very similar, except one is loved and one is hated. Well, Prince Harry even said that Meghan is exactly like my mother and reminds me so much of her. And I just think this whole documentary has been a stroke of genius. We didn't want, no one wanted mudslinging. None of the English public wanted mudslinging. And all we've seen is how in love these guys are how hard done by they've been, and we've really got to know them and on a Kate, different level. On your point about comparing Diana and Meghan, and you said one was loved, obviously, by the public, and one was hated by the is hated by the public, which is Meghan. Isn't it interesting that also one is loved by her partner Harry and Meghan, mm. and one wasn't given the support by mm. her partner Charles, and that's why Prince Harry he's seen the yeah. mistakes that Charles has made, and he's gone fuck this, we're out, we're yeah, gone, exactly fuck you. right. We could talk about Megan and Harry all day, but I think that is all we have time for. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. If you have enjoyed it, could you please make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts and also Spotify. And seeing it is nearly the end of the year, we have created a listener survey. This is the first time we've done it. And we just really want to hear your feedback on what you like about the podcast, what you want to hear about more. It would really help us out. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes and I will also be sharing on social media and in our Facebook group. 
And if you haven't already, make sure you're following us on TikTok and on Instagram at outspoken underscore the underscore podcast. And this episode was recorded on the traditional land of the Ghana people of the Adelaide Plains. We pay respects to elders past and present.